Welcome to the RE Podcast, the first dedicated RE podcast for students and teachers. Season 2, Episode 11, The One About Easter, Part 1. My name is Louisa Jane Smith and this is the RE Podcast, the podcast for those of you who think RE is boring, which it is, and I'll prove it to you. One of my favourite comedians is Eddie Izzard and probably my favourite of her stand-ups is Dress to Kill. I quote it in my classroom regularly to mostly blank looks to be fair, but something she says is relevant to today's episode. And then kids eat chocolate eggs because the colour of the chocolate and the colour of the wood on the cross, well, you tell me, it's got nothing to do with it, has it? You've got people going, remember kids, the kids are eating chocolate eggs going, Remember, kids, Jesus died for your sins. Yeah, I know, it's great. No, no, it's bad, it's bad. Oh, it's bad, it's bad, it's very bad, it's terrible. Whatever you want, I mean, just keep giving me these eggs. The point being that all too often religious festivals become commercialised. Christmas becomes about the presents under the tree and food on the table rather than celebrating the incarnation of God. Easter becomes about chocolate rather than celebrating the resurrection of Christ. However, if we're being truly authentic here, When Christianity first came to these lands, we were a pagan country, a belief system based on working with nature. As such, they had spring festivals and winter festivals, one to welcome the new season for fertility and one to herald the beginning of the reawakening of the world after its winter sleep. When Christianity started to dominate, they replaced the winter festival with Christmas, celebrating the birth of Jesus, and the spring festival with Easter, celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. But there are still some traditions from the pagan festivals which remained. For example, decorating trees in winter and having eggs to represent fertility in spring. But the reality is that today the Christian festivals dominate. I've done an episode on Christmas and now as Easter approaches, I want to explore and unpack the meaning of this festival. The resurrection of Jesus is singularly the most important belief in Christianity. It even says so in the Bible in 1 Corinthians 15, 14. It says, If Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. But to truly understand this event, we have to go right back to the beginning, Genesis. Now, I'm sure you've heard about Adam and Eve and the Garden of Eden. In Genesis chapter 1, God created humans. In Genesis chapter 2, God created two specific humans, Adam and Eve, and put them in the Garden of Eden, a perfect garden without death, where there was perfect harmony between God, humans and nature. Adam and Eve had full reign of the garden and could eat whatever fruit they wanted, except they could not eat the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden the tree of knowledge of good and evil, or they will surely die. Now, obviously, this tree was the most enchanting, the most appealing tree in the garden. And all too soon, a snake had convinced Eve to eat from it, telling her she wouldn't really die. And then Eve, in turn, enticed Adam. And neither of them died straight away, although they did feel slightly ashamed at being naked. Now, this story could be literal or it could be metaphorical. So if it is literal, there is an actual tree, an actual talking snake, some actual fruit and actual nakedness. Or it could be a metaphor. So the tree symbolises free will. The fruit represents temptation. 
The snake represents our conscience, that little voice inside that often tells us to do the wrong things. And the nakedness representing the shame and guilt for being found out for doing something wrong. I think we can all relate to temptation and we can all relate to shame. Either way, the significant thing is that Adam and Eve sinned. They disobeyed God. The consequence of this, among other things, was death. They were thrown out of the garden and made to work, struggle, suffer, have enmity with nature, that means be an enemy of, and eventually die. Now, we have actually looked at this story before when we explored the problem of evil. This story is the explanation for evil and suffering in the world. It's called the free will defence. We suffer because we chose to disobey God. But this story has other significance too. This original sin that Adam and Eve did, when they ate the fruit from the tree from which they were not meant to eat, was passed down to every other human, so that all humans are born sinful. And the punishment for sin was death, so every human will die as a punishment for sin. Initially, what humans would do was to sacrifice their best animal to atone for this sin. Atone means to make up for the sin or make up for a wrongdoing. So they would sacrifice an animal to make up for the wrongdoing. And this practice was prevalent among the Israelites. The Israelites were the descendants of Abraham, who was the first monotheist, the first person to believe in one God, and from which Islam, Judaism and Christianity all grew. So the Israelites would sacrifice their best animals to atone for their sin. Remember, atone means to make up for a wrongdoing. However, this sacrifice was only temporary until the next time they sinned. And then they'd have to sacrifice another animal. And then they sinned and they'd have to sacrifice another animal. What was needed was an ultimate sacrifice. A perfect sacrifice to atone for all sins of all people in all times. Enter Jesus stayed right. Christians believe that Jesus was fully human and fully God. So as a human, he could die, but as God was perfect. So therefore, he could be the ultimate sacrifice for all our sin. We'll unpack this more in a minute. But let's first consider the historical Jesus, who did die from crucifixion at the hands of the Romans. But why? Well, historically, Jesus was a political threat. Jerusalem was occupied by the Romans. This means that the Romans had invaded their land and taken over political control. There is therefore a struggle between the Romans and the Jewish authorities. Now, if you know anything about the Romans, you will know that they are renowned for being cruel but effective rulers and soon quashed any threat to their authority. The Jews, however, were waiting for someone to come and save them. Some Jews were waiting for a political messiah to free them from Roman rule. Others were looking for a religious ruler, while others were looking for a new prophet, one that was a bit like Moses or David that had come before. A prophet is a messenger from God. So we've got a political messiah, a religious ruler, a new prophet. There were clues in their holy book as to what to expect. So their holy book is the Old Testament, the Torah. So what we know from the Old Testament about the Messiah is that he would be born in Bethlehem. He would be from the bloodline of David. Remember David? Killed a giant, became a king. 
would have to flee to Egypt and would be whipped and killed. Many Jews at the time thought or maybe hoped that Jesus was the one they had been waiting for, that Jesus was the Messiah. So when Jesus started preaching at around 30 years old, some Jews got a little overexcited and started rioting. This was mentioned actually by the Roman historian Tacitus, who mentions disturbances at the instigation of Christus. So it suggests that people at the time thought that Jesus himself had started these disturbances. People also started calling Jesus King of the Jews. Yeah, this was treason. Bad idea. But also the Jewish authorities felt undermined by Jesus' teachings. And Jesus often made the Pharisees, the Jewish teachers of the law, look stupid. Not only that, as though that wasn't enough, but Jesus claimed to be God. He would do things like forgive sins and refer to himself as I am. I am is the name that God refers to himself in the Old Testament. So if you claim to be God, this is blasphemy. So he's instigating riots. He's naming himself King of the Jews. He's undermining the Jewish authorities and he's blaspheming. So understandably, both the Roman and the Jewish authorities wanted to get rid of him. As Jesus was quite high profile, this needed to be done as quietly as possible so that it wouldn't instigate a riot. As such, Jesus was arrested at night and given a secret trial, found guilty and handed over to the Roman authorities. Pontius Pilate was the governor of Judea at the time. So Judea was named after Judah, one of the sons of Jacob, whose descendants became the tribe of Judah or Judaism. Jacob, Judah's father, changed his name to Israel from who the country was named after. Now Pontius Pilate, governor of Judea, at the time could not find Jesus guilty of anything. But the Romans had an agreement with the Jewish authorities to grant a customary pardon before Passover. They chose Barabbas. Now, there is some evidence that Barabbas was actually called Jesus Barabbas, a common name at the time. So it is possible that people got confused and released the wrong Jesus and then the innocent Jesus got sentenced to death. Now, let's just go back a little bit. The night before his arrest, Jesus had a last supper with his closest friends, the 12 disciples. Jesus knew what was about to happen. He knew that he was about to be arrested. He also knew that one of his friends that was now eating dinner with him would betray him. And another still would deny even knowing him. I wonder if you've ever experienced something like that with someone you thought was your closest friend. So Judas... One of Jesus' disciples accepted 40 pieces of silver in order to show the authorities where Jesus was. Judas actually later committed suicide, clearly tormented with guilt. He had no idea what would happen to Jesus. And when he saw what happened, it was too much for him. Peter, one of the other disciples, denied knowing Jesus just after Jesus had got arrested. Maybe he was too scared that he too would be arrested. So in this Last Supper with his disciples, after the meal, Jesus had asked his disciples to stay awake with him because he knew he would be arrested soon. The disciples had no idea what was about to happen. They didn't really understand what Jesus meant that he would be going soon and he wanted to stay awake with them. 
So because of all the food and the drink they'd had, they all fell asleep. So Jesus took a walk on his own through a nearby garden called the Garden of Gethsemane. It is said that Jesus was so anxious at this point that he sweated blood. Now this actually can happen. It is a medical condition. In times of intense stress, the capillaries in your skin can burst and it looks like you're sweating blood. After his arrest, after he was taken to Pilate, and after Barabbas had been released and Jesus had been sentenced to death, he would have been taken to be whipped. This would have happened early on the Friday morning. And that is why at Easter we have Good Friday. It is called Good Friday because of the significance of this death for Christians. That Jesus took our place. Jesus died for our sins. He took the punishment for sin so that we could be forgiven and spend eternity in a relationship with God. But there is nothing, nothing good about the Roman method of crucifixion. First of all, the prisoner would be whipped 40 minus 1 times. It is this number because 40 times is very likely to kill you. The Roman whip, called a flagrum, has several strands with lead balls on each end. These are designed to cause huge amounts of damage to the back of its victim without killing them. The first few hits are going to take off skin, it's going to start to damage flesh, it could even get through to bone and start to damage some internal organs. They are designed to cause maximum amount of damage to the back of its victim without actually killing them. The prisoner would then be stripped naked and made to carry their cross on their back through the city. Not only is this the ultimate humiliation and a warning to anyone else watching what happens if you mess with the Romans, but that cross would need to be carried on a back, severely damaged by the whipping. It says in the Bible that Jesus collapsed trying to carry his cross and someone had to carry it for him. In the Bible it also says that Jesus was mocked, he was beaten up and he was spat at and a crown of thorns pressed into his head. Now, Crucifixion is often misrepresented. In images of the crucified Christ, it is common that you see the nails put into his hands. Historically and logically, this was not the case. If you feel the bones in your hands, they are weak and certainly not strong enough to hold a grown man's weight. The nails would have been driven in between the radius and the ulna, the two big bones in your wrist. And archaeological evidence shows that a nail was also driven into the ankle bone from the side. As you are hung, your diaphragm is squashed, making breathing very laboured unless you pull yourself up on the nails. Death therefore comes slowly through asphyxiation or suffocation. And this can take several hours or even up to a day. For Jesus, it took six hours. He was tried at night, whipped early in the morning, crucified at 9am on the Friday morning and died at 3pm that afternoon, an entire school day. We actually get the word excruciating from the Latin for out of crucifixion because it is probably the most painful way to die ever invented. While Jesus was on the cross, he is said to have cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is Aramaic for, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Aramaic was Jesus' language. But this phrase explains that at this point, Jesus became sin. 
This is the moment he took on board everyone else's sin and therefore was separated from God because sin separates you from God. On a basic level, Christians can be certain that Jesus understood shame, abandonment, pain, torture, rejection, unfaithfulness. But for Christians, the meaning is much more than that. It says in the Bible this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. This is called salvation. Salvation means being saved. So through Jesus' death, we are saved from death. And Christians believe we are given this through grace. Grace is being given something that we don't deserve. We do not deserve salvation, but God gives it to us because he loves us. But this is not the end of the story. Next episode, we will be exploring what happened next. My name is Louisa Jane Smith. This has been the RE Podcast, the podcast for those of you who think RE is boring, which it is. I just proved it to you. But thank you so much for listening to me bore the life out of you.